I think that choir should be under house arrest. I spent 12 years in post-graduate school learning to be dignified. All that money I spent bust out. Thank you very much. I can't remember the last time crying in worship. They have no shame making a man cry. Praise the Lord. I want to spend some time with y'all afterwards. Amen. You heard that secular saying, still in my thunder? I don't have any thunder. <laughs> For those of you I have not had the opportunity to meet, I am Dr. Abiyaje. I am a Christian family therapist, and I am your pastor's pastor. I serve pastors all over the world because very often pastors are hurting. They like the parent always taking care of the children. Well, who's taking care of the parent? God has called me to take care of the parent. I want you to know, in 40 years of serving God, I've never, ever have preached for one of my pastors. His wife put me in a bind. She then in Chicago, and she said he had to come back here and preach, and the only loophole is if I preach. I know when I lost. So I am here for the first time doing this, but I want you to know I'm happy to be with you. Can everybody hear me okay? I'm going to do a prelude to the sermon. The title of the message is to begin with the end in mind. I know that may sound somewhat contradictory, Contradictory, but you need to have patience with me, please. Let me give you this illustration, and then I want to share the word with you. Is that okay? What I've done was given you an outline of the message. I am an adjunct professor, and I can't help myself. I hope that you would follow. You don't need your phones today. I know young people listen to the sermon with the phone. They read everything on the phone. But I also know somebody call you is distracting. Let me just say this to you. That's Satan's job to distract you. If you can, turn your phone off and give God your full attention. If you can. If you have a parent home that's sick, you keep that phone on. Let me give you the illustration. Are you ready? Now, I want to do something in this illustration. It's called participatory activity. So on this side, my left side, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to be the negative voice. Okay? Let's be a negative voice. I'm going to ask you to be the positive voice. I'm going to walk down the aisle, and I want you just to holler out negative things. You can even lie and say I'm ugly. (laughs) 
And I need to know why this side is laughing. <laughs> I'm not coming back. You're going to say everything positive, okay? Now, let me set the stage for you. I'm, oh, 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 I forgot. I forgot. Okay, hold on one second. Oh, here it is. There you go. Let me see. All right. Uh, that's the scripture. Hold up. Uh, that's supposed to be. All right. You can't see. That's supposed to be a farmer. Now, I grew up in Harlem, New York. I was in high school before I saw a real farm. And, and if you are ever seen a, a farm like um, corn, grow corn or some vegetation, they always have a straight line. Have you noticed that? And I used to wonder how were they able to navigate the terrain to uh, produce such a straight line. And the farmer once said to me, he said, boy, I was just a kid. Don't call me boy now, homie. <laughs> he said, boy, what you do is you fix your eye on an object. And then you set your whole mind towards that object. On the way, there's going to be bumps and curves and grooves. But if you set your mind on that object, no matter what happens, you form a straight line. I'm going to form a straight line. There's an object there, and I'm going to head straight toward it. While I walk through it, I want this side to howl out negative things, okay? I want you to howl out positive things, but they have to be about me. Make it up if you have to. Yeah, you can say tall, dark, and handsome, and my wife will say two out of three is not bad. <laughs> Y'all need some help. Y'all are unhealthy. Okay, are you ready? I've never done this before. I want you to holler out now. You can stand up, sit down. I want you into it, okay? But don't jump out and say, hey, ugly, try to kiss me. Homie, don't play that, okay? All right, let's do that. Ready? Okay, I got my eyes set. Let's go. Y'all sit. <laughs> Y'all enjoyed that too much. Now, let me tell you the purpose of that exercise. Let me ask you a question. Was I distracted? My wallowing was my distraction. Okay. Now, let me explain this real quickly because I want to get into the sermon. As a therapist, many people ask me, in relationships and family, how come I feel sidetracked? How come I, how did I get in this spot? How did I get in this relationship? How did I get in this situation? What's going on? It's his fault. It's her fault. Let me tell you, in all those questions we ask in life, those questions just resonate with the reality you were distracted. Now, I want you to hear me. This is a sermon in itself. I'm going to condense it. The first problem is we don't have an attraction. We talk about Jesus, we talk about being saved, we talk about the Holy Spirit, but it's all talk. It's all talk. You see, now you need to understand, 
in order to have a distraction, you must first have an attraction. The problem is we don't have an attraction. In 37 years of marriage, temptation has passed me by, but I have not wavered because of my attraction to Jesus Christ. Now stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me, everybody. I hear people say, I've been married 10 years, 20. I don't care. A lot of people been married 30 years, cheated. The issue for me is not how long I've been married. The issue for me is have I been distracted? I put my eyes on Jesus, not my wife. Can I go real for a minute? Ladies, you know what I'm saying. There are some times you don't want to be touched. Come on, say amen. And the men feel, get distracted because, whoa, hold up a second. Uh, you're supposed to love me. You blah, blah, blah. And we get distracted. And we blame our spouse for our distraction. We blame everybody. And let me say this. Every time you distract it, you know what that tells me? You've taken your eyes off your attraction. My wife is not my attraction. She's the result of my attraction. My attraction is Jesus. Are y'all with me this morning? Are you with me? My attraction is Jesus Christ. I've had, as a pastor, I had women come on to me as their pastor. Sit, hear me. I can tell you some stories you wouldn't believe. I don't believe it myself. If I weren't there, we don't have an attraction, and we blame everybody else for our distraction. The farmer's able to make that straight line because of his attraction. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. The clearer you are about your attraction, the clearer you'll be about your distraction. And it's in the distraction that people come to see me as a therapist. My role is simple, to help you acclimate back towards the attraction that you may never have had. I'm done with that. Are you with me? That's very important to understand. You see, because here's my beginning. My attraction is my end. Don't say anything. I'm going to walk. My attraction is my end. And while I move towards the end, there's going to be distractions. It's a part of life. It's called sin in the world. And what the secular world has done is is, um, is, um, um, helped us to uh, compensate the distractions. It's okay, you human. It's okay to be distracted. You human, everybody gets distracted. The distraction for when you have your attraction, you get distracted, but you won't move from your attraction. See, it's not okay for me to mess up on my wife. That's not okay. That's not okay. I'm going to move on. That's a sermon itself. Can I move on? Yeah, say yes, even if you want to say no. (laughs) You know, I like y'all. Y'all a bunch of liars. I love you. All right, come on. Come on, man. (laughs) Come on. Are you with me? Now, let me say, I want to pray and give the message because some of you are hurting. Yourself or your family or loved ones, you know what I'm talking about. And you, even though you had your mind on your attraction, you got distracted. When I stand before God, I can't blame the people. I don't care if it's sexism, racism, division. It doesn't matter. I can't blame anybody for my distraction but myself. And I love Jesus too much to get distracted. Come on. 
Father, I lift up the name of Jesus Christ. I know there's been men and women in this place or listening to um, uh, this video who have been distracted. And in their distraction, depression set in. In their distraction, um, loneliness set in. In their distraction, blame set in. In their distraction, they've taken their eyes off of you, Lord. And asking the proverbial question, where are you, Jesus? Lord, I pray that you would touch our pain. Touch us, Lord, where we hurt. Touch us where we can't talk about. Touch us where speaking simply brings tears to our eyes. Touch us, Lord. Be our radar in the fog of life that we may clearly see you and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sorry. Amen. Let me read the scripture with you. Are y'all out of here by 12 o'clock? Tell the truth. Okay, I'm going to condense this sermon. Somebody told you who said that? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Who said that? Raise your Did she say that? I'm not preaching to you. Come here. <laughs> I just want to shake your hand. You're, you're the only honest person in here. You see, isn't that sad? Even honest people are ashamed. <laughs> All right, come on, y'all ready? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Let's get, let's get the word. Let's get the word. Let me share this with you. Ready? In Habakkuk, oh, what y'all saying? Smile. Let, let me say, that's right. And you know why we're not smiling? We're distracted. We're not smiling because we're distracted. At 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm smiling. Four o'clock in the morning. I get up every morning at four o'clock. I get up, I'm smiling because I got another time to love somebody to call on the name of Jesus. I got an attraction. I get so happy. So can I tell you, can I take you in the bathroom for a minute? Keep your minds clean now. I'm in the mirror. I'm in the mirror. And I look in the mirror and I think about Jesus and I go, ooh, you look good, Jesus. Habakkuk, no, y'all not ready. Y'all not old enough for that stuff. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. Now, let me explain that real quickly. When he's talking about standing on the watch, um, Habakkuk was a prophet. Prophets, uh, part of their role was to separate themselves from everybody else so they can focus on God. They were always looking for God. They always had their eyes on their attraction. They looked in the skies. They looked, and now um, Habakkuk was on a uh, rampart. Now, the rampart is like, for example, you go up in the tower and you can see everything, but you separate it from people. He had to separate himself out. In, the, in, in our language, we call it sanctification. Sanctification, we, we make a, a mess out of words. Sanctification simply means to be separated. Yeah. Separated unto God. That's all. 
We, over, we overdefine stuff and we mess people up. Simply means separated unto God. That's all. And so uh, the prophets uh, were separated. And so um, what was happening on, let me read a little bit more and tell you what was going on. Okay. So he was stationed. He, sta- he was standing. He was stationed. Okay. I would look to see what he was saving me. Looking for God, not for people, not for the Jews, not for others. Looking to see what God was going to say to him. And what answer I will give uh, to this complaint. What's the complaint about? I'm going to share it with you, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more. The complaint was, here you have the, uh, um, the Jews who believe in God and the Chaldeans, some heathen nation, beating about to defeat the Jews. Um, they were just beating up on them. And the Jews wanted to know, if we're God's people, why are we losing to these heathens? Why are they? And so that's what the complaint is about. How many of y'all complaining? Don't say a word. Say we're everybody be saying amen in here. Then the Lord replied. Now the Lord said, "Now notice. First of all, first of all, is there's the conversation going on. You're going to hear this over and over, and I'm going to condense it. There are two types of creations. I'm prefacing what you're going to hear later on. This saturates the whole message. The first creation happens in your mind. The first creation happens in your mind." The second creation happens when it materializes. You see somebody you like, boom, first creation. I see, I see a relationship here. Materialize, materialize in the marriage or dating, what have you. Uh, you want to build a house, I'm going to talk about house later on. You, you have it in your mind what you want. You have it in your mind. Matter of fact, last house we bought, I didn't even care what it looked like. You know why? I said to the, to the sales, I just want something that's a nice structure. Oh, why do you want that, Dr. Abed? Because I don't care what we get. My wife is going to change it. <laughs> and I'm not paying $50,000 more for a house that looks nice that my wife is going to change anyway. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. That's, and this, the first creation is always in thought. And the second creation is the activity. Are you all with me? All right, stay with that, stay with that thought, okay? So, um, so uh, 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 here we have Habakkuk uh, in the first creation stage right here. Now, verse 2, look what God says, uh, write, write down the revelation. Now, revelation of blueprint. I put the word blueprint in there because when you build a house, you make what? A blueprint. Oh, listen, the nose spoke up. Come on, y'all get on board over here. Send y'all home. All right. <laughs> right. I'm just playing. Stay with me. Uh, write down the Revelation blueprint and make it plain uh, on tablets so that a herald, a herald is the official messenger of, of the a word of the king or the queen. Okay, so the herald, make it plain so the herald may, may run with it. So make it plain. So we got to write it down, write it down. Now, now, listen, first it's in the mind and then it's written down. I often tell people when I'm doing counseling, whatever you're struggling with in your mind, I want you to write it down. Now, when you write it down, you use whatever words you want. I need you to write it down. The problem is that we don't write stuff down because we want our emotions to dictate the outcome. So I want you to write it down in part to get those emotions out. See, because emotions are one of the biggest things that get in the way of the Holy Spirit. And what we do as Christians, we emotionalize the Holy Spirit and say, I prayed about it. And... Like God answered you, go ahead and hit him over the head with the two by four. You prayed. We cool. <laughs> but no, seriously, that's what we do with the Holy Spirit. 
And so I encourage people to do a blueprint first. It's on your mind. You're frustrated. You're happy. Oh, you want to, you want to get married, whatever. That's, that's in your mind. Do a blueprint before you make another step. Now, let me tell you, this is very critical. You need, we need to always be clear about our mind before we engage our emotion. If I was single and I, and I just met her, she looked pretty, boom, I'm focusing my mind. What is it, hear me, what is it that God would have for me? If I don't answer that question, I'm going to choose what I would have for me and spiritualize it with my emotions. Now, I'm not so bad with that because I make a lot of money when people do that. No, I'm serious. It's like asking the funeral director, how's business? Are y'all with me? I really don't want that business. Hear me. I really don't want that business. In your mind, first creation, but you need to be clear about your emotions. Do your blueprint, and I can help you with that. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. The revelation, the revelation is God's word. We can't have a revelation based on our emotions. Revelation is God's word. Uh, Revelation awaits an appointed time. That's God's time, not our time. It speaks uh, of the end. It will not prove false. Though it lingers, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. Now, I want to run through this. I want to run through this. I want to do three things, and I'm going to condense it. Stay with me. First of all, I want to exegete. Exegete, I somewhat did that. You take the scripture, and you, you, you break it down, okay? The historical stuff, I shared some of that with you already. And then I, I want to uh, make it plain. I want to connect the scripture to our lives today, make a bridge, and then I want to exit. Now, I want to ask for the exit. I'm going to ask you all to do me a favor. Can I ask you to do me a favor? Now, tell me what does this look like when I do this? Who? Who does that? Your pastor. Don't you ever notice your pastor did? <laughs> Duh! Duh! <laughs> Hold up a second. I don't even go to this church. <laughs> I, I came in one time. He went like that. I said, man, nobody does that like Pastor Duran. I came back again. He went. <laughs> Next time, I, next time I preach, I said, you know, my congregation said, Pastor, you look cool when you do that. I didn't give Pastor any credit. <laughs> now, does your pastor do that? So, so why y'all didn't say something the first time? I'm in a house, well, I'm in a house a bunch of liars. <laughs> no, are y'all with me? Okay, I want, I'm going to ask you to stand up and do that because that's, that's my exit call. Can you stand up for one second? Then you can sit right back down. Come on, come on. Do it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Okay, on three. We're going to do it all together. Let's do it together. One, two, three. <laughs> all right. Sit down. <laughs> you know, if I was younger, I'd go to the disco. Can I do the during? Can I do the during? <laughs> Don't y'all tell him I did that. <laughs> I 
right, let me, let me condense this because I want, I want to get you out here shortly. Let me condense this. I, I already did um, much of um, the exegeting. What, what, what you need to know here, why is it important for God, not your spouse, not your children, See, when God is not your attraction, when your spouse dies, you stop worshiping. When your children die, you blame God. When things turn south, you fade from God. And you know why? Because God was never your first love. I love my wife to death. I want you to hear that. My wife, I went home. I found out my wife died. I would cry like a baby. But I would cry in the arms of Jesus. The problem with many of us as Christians is we get distracted so much that we don't stay on target. Women, you deal with sexism, you get distracted. Men, we have our issues. We get distracted. See, part of understanding exegetical scripture is the understanding the scripture for what it's worth, not what we bring into it culturally. You know, that's why we have so many denominations. We have Sunday morning, Martin Luther King said it years ago, Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the, of, in the United States. White people worship white people, black people, black people, Hispanic. We talk about the kingdom of God, and we're the most segregated. Well, that's not my style. You don't have a style. It's Jesus. It's the only style. You know, the first time, come on with me, come on with me. You know, the first time I felt the Holy Spirit, I, I wouldn't have believed myself it was in the Catholic Church. It was as dry as bread in the sun for 30 days. No, 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 hear me. And the Holy Spirit touched me there. We want to decide where the Holy Spirit touched us. We exegete the Scripture instead of letting the Scripture exegete us. Understanding the scripture in the context of the scripture, not our culture, race, and gender, and all that stuff. Understanding scripture for what it is will make a difference in terms of understanding what is our goal, what is our attraction. What is our attraction? I supervised 72 pastors at one time. I mentored hundreds of pastors. I've had pastors say, I don't have time, Dr. Abiyada, to pray. Pastors. You know why they didn't have time? Distracted. Anytime you have an appointment you don't make because you were distracted, it's blame. Get out of blame. Exegeting means understanding the scripture and being Christ-like wherever you are, wherever we are, okay? Standing apart from everybody. (laughs) We need to know what is our end, what is our end? Let me share something in terms of time concept. Are y'all with me? Many, the kingdom of God is about eternity. We live in eternity the moment we accept Jesus Christ, not when we die. We accept eternity. What the problem is when we get distracted, we live in the moment. Let me give you an example. When, when I first came to Jesus Christ, I had a friend who was uh, in the holiness church. And some, some women... Um, she had some new shoes on. You know how we are with new shoes. Y'all gonna act like, what? Yeah, right. 
The woman stepped on her shoes. You know what she said? Get behind me, Holy Spirit. I'm about to take her down. And I'm serious. I'll call you back when I'm done. I am serious as a heart attack. I mean, when you got the faucet on the Holy Spirit, it's not, you know, it doesn't come and go. She was distracted. Now, my, my point is, whenever you have an attraction, there will always be a distraction. Our distraction is the evidence. I'm, I'm good with distraction. You know why? Distraction tells me how strong I am with my attraction. You need distractions in your life. And many of us stay distracted because we don't understand the purpose of distractions. That's Satan's job, to distract you. I remember reading a story about, anybody remember um, Michael Jordan? No? Okay, let let me use LeBron James for crying out loud. It's hard preaching to children. Okay, LeBron James. Y'all know LeBron James? Okay, it's really about Michael, but let's say LeBron James. How much did LeBron James get paid? Well, he gets a couple of men in the game, right? Now, can you imagine LeBron James going, and everybody knows what basketball is, right? Okay, y'all look kind of weird out there. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, can you imagine LeBron James going to the rim, and they keep fouling him, and LeBron James come back to the chair and say, Coach, I can't make a basket. What's the matter? They keep fouling me. LeBron. We're not paying you a million dollars a game to come back to the bench and talk about they fouling you. We're paying you a million dollars to make that basket. That's what we say to God. They didn't smile at me. They hurt my feelings. They lied on me. They cheated on me. I didn't die on the cross. I did not die on the cross for you to come to Calvary to talk about all that stuff they doing to you. I told you the world don't hurt you, hate you. They hurt me. You think they hurt you because you've taken your eyes off of me. Next time you have distraction, you thank God. And stay in your attraction. Is that plain enough for you? Let me say this. You know what? I'm going to condense it. Now, stay with me. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. What I want you to do today when you leave here is I want you to be honest with yourself. What is your first creation? Let me share mine. My first creation is my relationship with Jesus Christ and being with him now and an eternity after death. That's my first creation. My blueprint comes from reading my scripture. In almost 40 years of pastoring, I had churches from 30 to several hundred people. In every church I had, whenever I had Bible study to teach the blueprint, I've always had less than 10% people come. Christians don't understand the purpose of blueprints. And we wonder why our house is made on shaky ground. You need a blueprint. 
If you build a house without a blueprint, I can guarantee you, you're going to pay for two houses because you're going to keep redoing and making up your mistakes. And we're wondering why we have, according to my research as a therapist, Christians have just as much struggle in relationships as non-believers. Why? Because we don't use our blueprint. Let me say this. Are y'all with me this morning? (laughs) Stay with me. Stay with me. That's my whole agenda is to help people understand their blueprint. But you have to be committed to following it. I was counseling a couple one day and and one of the, the spouse didn't like being told what to do. Now, the other spouse had all the gifts that this spouse needed. But this spouse had a problem with following using the gifts of the other spouse because, you know, I'm the head of the house. Really? Hello, God gave her the gift. What's your issue? I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I can't help y'all. See, because when somebody has the gift, it's not about their agenda, it's about God. And what you're saying in essence is I don't want God telling me what to do. I don't want God telling me what to do. My wife is creative. When we get in the house, I don't have a say-so about the decoration because I mess it up. I'm smart enough, though I'm dumb enough, in creativity. But you get philosophy and psychology? I make the scholars think. Creativity? (laughs) My wife says, shut up. Yes, ma'am, I'm cool. That's a God-given gift. We don't have the blueprint, and so we don't know whose gift is what. Now, let me say one more thing. I'm going to close out. Well, thank you for your honesty. Stop being honest, though. <laughs> you know I love you all. Amen. Stay with me. Stay with me. Let me say this. I need you to understand this, and I'm going to close out. There, in, in um, every war, world war, there, before you have the war, you have battles. Battles are little parts that accumulate that create an end called the war. The war is always the end. Here's the problem with many of us as Christians. We get in battles, differences of opinions, differences of thoughts, differences of denomination. We get in battles and then we make the battle a war. We make the battle of war. Sat with a couple. One's Democrat, the other one's Republican. They talk in divorce over political parties. The parties were simply a battle. They made it a war. Do you follow me? When you have a blueprint, you need to be clear in your differences. Is it a battle or is it a war? A battle is not the end, but because of our emotional insecurities, we make battles war, and we're fighting all the time. We're fighting all the time. For what? I keep things in perspective. I drive a 2003 vibe, 2003. You know why? I was in the parking lot one time. Woman opened the door, wind blew it, hit, hit my car. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, mister. Woman, ladies, it's Okay. Are you sure? It's okay. It's just a car. 
I save, I have a Lincoln Continental. New. New. I was from the hood. Can I, can I be honest? Let me tell you how bad I was. If you want to get in my car, I want to see the receipt from the cleaners. I'm serious. That's sick, isn't it? No, be honest. That was sick. That's how sick I was. My sickness got in the way of my walk with Jesus. And many of us are sick and we don't even know it. We're fighting battles and we made them wars. And we wonder why life is so rough. Hear this. This is a therapist and I'm going to close out. The more insecure you are, the more you make battles wars. The more insecure you are, the more you make battles wars. Call me ugly. Call me stupid. I don't care what you call me. I'm clear about my attraction, and that's all that matters. I'm clear about my attraction, and that's all that matters. And my attraction is not about a cognitive thing. It's about a spiritual thing with me and Jesus Christ. I begin each day, and that's why I smile. I begin each day with the end. My end is Jesus. I get out of bed. Thank you, Jesus. Check this out. 68 years old. Sixty-eight. <laughs> I said, Satan, come on, you want some of this? <laughs> you know, it's been so long since I went hood. I just, it just felt good. <laughs> I can't do that as a professor, so thank, thank you for letting me do that. <laughs> I, I want, to, I want to pray. Let me say thank you. But the focus, remember this on a serious note. What is your end? What is your end? What is your end? And every time you have a conflict, ask yourself that question. Because the less clear you are of that question, the more you be distracted. The more battles become wars and the more you think, is this life worth living? It is. In Jesus Christ, begin with the end in mind. Can I close in prayer? I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to ask you all to stand up. I went 15 minutes over. Let me ask you a question. If anybody's mad about telepastor, so he won't ask me to go with it. Are y'all ready to pray? Now, I'm going to ask you, stay with me. Before we pray, I want to ask you, in honor of your pastor, can we? I guess that means no, nobody did it. <laughs> you know, y'all just, y'all just dissed your pastor. <laughs> Let's come, put your hand up with me. Let's pray. Father, I do believe while Jesus walked the earth, he laughed. He hugged children. He encouraged the down and out, the least of these. He smiled. He played. We seem to forget those qualities of you, Christ. 
I pray for this congregation, for their pastor. I pray, Lord, that we learn to smile, we learn to laugh, and that laughter doesn't come from other people's pain, but from what you've done for us on the cross to let us know that we are worthy children. We've been adopted, and there's no difference in the kingdom of God. Thank you for the blood that was shed on Calvary. Thank you, Lord, that we have an end to look to. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. Thank you for what you've said to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, as we depart from the richness of the presence of your Holy Spirit. May we keep the end in mind as we wake up in the morning, as we walk, as people and things distract us, as the world moves in a way that is a curve from the cross. May we never forget our first attraction and give you the praise forever. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray together and the people God said together, amen. God bless you, saints. God bless you. Give God a hand. Amen. Y'all don't leave. <laughs>